are dismissed, Bibles are open, and a reminder, we um, shared with you last week, has been on the announcements, but we have a church family meeting right after the morning service, it's our annual meeting, so encourage you, even if you're not a member, to share things where we've been, but some things that we're doing and where we're going with some things in ministry, uh, so I encourage you to stick around and uh, be a part of that. It's not going to take long, uh, but we'd love to have you be a part of this. So Mark chapter 4 is where we are. Again, if you're using a pew Bible, this is on page 839. I want to encourage you to follow along. Um, as I, I got a blue sticky note on my sermon notes this morning, and you can't read this, but it says, speak slowly. Um, I was, uh, I'm becoming aware that I talk really fast, and um, I know some of you have, are aware. I'm not telling many of you things you don't know. But I was listening to myself on Facebook Live, and uh, there's part of it. I'm thinking, I can't even understand what I'm saying because I'm talking so fast. So I am uh, wanting to continue to sharpen uh, my skills as a pastor, and I think that speaking a little more slowly might help. So I have it also on the back side of the notes, too, so when I turn it over, <laughs> it's there. I want to begin this morning in Mark chapter 4. I want to ask the question, does Jesus care about you? Does Jesus care about you? Is he really interested in your daily life? You know, those are questions. When we sit in Sunday school, when we come to church, when we open our Bibles, when we read in scriptures, we hear those, those questions, and to us there is a resounding yes. Absolutely God cares for us. He's interested in us. He has proven his love for us by humbly clothing himself with flesh coming to dwell as a man on earth. He came to be with us. He called disciples to himself. He died on the cross. He rose from the dead. He's poured out the Holy Spirit. He has promised to be with us. As we read the scriptures, as we, even in our own experiences, we recognize we do have a God who cares for us, a God who loves us. And yet, I also believe there are times whenever we are away from church, whenever we're not in our Bibles, and that things get difficult in our lives, that oftentimes a gap begins to open. When the hardships of life come upon us, that there's a gap that often becomes exposed between our confessional theology, the theology that we, we confess with our lips, yes, I believe God is good, yes, I believe God cares about us, but there's a gap that then often grows whenever we enter into difficulties. Whenever suffering comes our way, things that we don't expect, things that we don't like, and these things, our practical theology gets revealed in these hard positions. We oftentimes pray, and we're praying that God will change a circumstance, and we want Him to make things different, but they stay the same. Does He really care? We think about times of Losing a loved one, the grief and pain are oftentimes unspeakable, and it goes on and on. Does God care? When we're stressed out by life, maybe when somebody's treating you horribly, somebody that you have to continually be around and you're continually with them and they're treating you in terrible ways, maybe when a relationship is crumbling, whenever you're praying, you're asking, God, change things. God, if you really cared for me, why are you letting this go on? And as we wrestle through these things, we recognize that oftentimes these storms of life, they don't 
these storms of life don't impact people like us, and we don't typically say, because things are hard, God must not exist. We don't typically go there. But I'm convinced we often go and begin asking the question, is he really good, though? I know, I know he exists. I know he's powerful. I know he's created the world. I know he gives me life and breath. I know these things. But as I look at my current situation and what I'm dealing with, and if God is really good, why doesn't he do something? As we wrestle with these kinds of questions, I don't know where God has you this morning, but I'm confident that there is a wide range of positions we find ourselves in today. All kinds of circumstances, situations that are, that are difficult. Just this morning, just some very brief conversations just before the service and before Sunday school, having conversations with two or three different people that they're in the middle of hard things. And, and life, is, life is difficult. We live in a fallen, broken world. And this morning, if you're wrestling with some of these questions about if God is really good, I'm glad you're here. I, I don't think it's an accident that you're here this morning and hearing the things you're going to hear. I would also say, though, if you are not questioning this, and actually a couple things, if you're not questioning this and you think, I would never get there, I would just want to say, be careful with that statement. Okay? But the other part of it says, if you're not, that's not where you are today, I want to encourage you to take really good notes today so that you're able to help those who are going through these difficult times. Because these are the questions that get asked. And oftentimes that these, I'm convinced that people that get to this point of recognizing, yes, I believe all these things about good, but about God and that he's good, but I'm not experiencing that. I'm burdened that oftentimes we can be that and I can continue to come to church, continue to uh, be a part of things and I'm not denying my faith. They're not walking away from Jesus, but they're disillusioned and wondering, is he really good? So this morning... I want to encourage you to look with me in Mark chapter 4. In Mark 4, 35 through the uh, end part of this chapter, we're going to see uh, the storm that comes up, how disciples responded, what Jesus did, and what it teaches us about the storms of life. So Mark chapter 4, verse 35. It says, On that day, so Jesus has just been teaching some parables, and on that day, it's been a long day, it says, when evening had come, okay, so it's the end of the day, he, that's Jesus, said to them, that's the disciples, so Jesus says to his disciples, let us go across to the other side, okay, and they're at the Sea of Galilee, they've been teaching alongside there, and they're going to go from one side of the Sea of Galilee to the other, and they're going to get in a boat to go across there. In verse 36, and leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, and he, and just as he was, and other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking, breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke. And he rebuked the wind, and he said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear, and they said to one another, Who then is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? 
Let's pray. Father, as we read a narrative, a true account of your disciples being with you in a boat and a storm rages, the disciples were terrified. And they were terrified and they're asking the questions, do you care? And God, you demonstrated your care by calming the storm and then speaking to their hearts. And I pray this morning, Lord, that you would open our hearts and that you would help us to see you more clearly that we would love you in a greater way and as a result of these truths that we would live more faithfully with great passion for you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, as we begin in our passage, the first thing I want us to see this morning is that Jesus invites the disciples to get in the boat. They get in the boat and they begin crossing over and the storm comes. First point I want us to see in our message is this, that getting in the boat with Jesus does not guarantee a storm-free journey. Getting in the boat with Jesus does not guarantee a storm-free journey. Listen, we live in a culture where there's a lot of confusion in Christianity. And there's a lot of confusion in Christianity. And there's a whole group of, of teachers that are called prosperity teachers. These would be in the camp of a Joel Osteen, a Joyce Meyer, Creflo Dollar, individuals like that, who would have us to believe that in the, if you get in the boat with Jesus, things are going to be good. God's going to smile upon you and there aren't going to be any waves crashing on your boat, that things are going to be great. And if they're not, the problem is, isn't, the, isn't the storm, the problem is you don't have enough faith. And yet, as we see in this passage, this is not at all what God teaches us. As we read throughout the Bible that if we have a relationship with Jesus, nowhere are we promised that there aren't going to be storms. In many ways, the reality that we see in those who follow Jesus, we see that, that they follow very typical weather patterns of the rest of the world. They face storms, they face cold fronts, we face storms, we face cold fronts. We face lightning, they face lightning. They face hurricanes, we face hurricanes. And we recognize that just because we're in this boat with Jesus doesn't mean there's this magical force field around our boat and nothing's going to harm us. The reality is that Jesus is in this boat with us. And as this boat takes place, this, that we, we think about this idea that they get in the boat and the storm comes. The question we would ask is, whose idea was it to get in the boat and cross the sea? It was Jesus' idea. And we've been reading already in our Bibles in Mark, the book of Mark, and we've learned a lot of things about Jesus. We've learned that he's the son of God. We've learned that he is, the Father is pleased with him. We have learned that he does the works of God. He casts out demons. He heals the sick. He cures disabilities. He forgives sins. We have learned so far in Mark chapters 1 through 3 that Jesus is God. And we would ask the question then, so why did they end up in the middle of the storm? Did Jesus fail to check his phone and the app to see, wait a minute, there's a storm coming. We're not going there. No. Jesus is God. He knows all things. As we get in this boat with Jesus, Jesus, I believe Jesus knew the storm was coming. And as he is in this boat, he's sleeping. But what we realize from this, we begin to see some significant things about Jesus. We begin to learn things about ourselves. And one of the things we recognize is that the storms that terrify us, they don't trouble Jesus. 
mean, in this storm, the, they've, left the, they've left the crowd. The great windstorm arrives, and the waves are breaking into the boat, and the boat's filling up. Now, put yourself in the boat. Right, you're in this boat. You get in, and it's pretty calm. In the Sea of Galilee, these storms pop up really quickly. The Sea of Galilee is almost 700 feet below sea level, and around it are high hills. And so that makes weather pretty turbulent as it comes up over the mountains, cold weather, warm weather, and does all the things that storms do. And so these are pretty prominent. They happen occasionally. And these guys are on this boat, and you're in the boat. And, and, and by the way, you've got some real experienced fishermen with you in the boat who very likely have dealt with some of these storms in the past. But as you're on this boat, the wind is raging and your boat is up and down and your boat is filling with water. What do you think is going to happen? This is bad. I mean, we're in the middle of this. There's no, I mean, there's no place for us to go. We can't make progress across this. The only, man, it seems the only direction we're going to go is down. Because this boat is filling up with water. And in the midst of that, our passage tells us that Jesus was asleep in the back of the boat. Jesus is sleeping in the back of the boat. And so Jesus is in this deep sleep on the back of the boat. He's in a deep sleep, and the disciples are thinking, we're going to sleep in the deep. Our, this is, this, we're going to go to sleep, too, at the bottom of the sea. We're going to die tonight. But this sleep of Jesus teaches us some things about him. One of the things it teaches us is that Jesus sleeping during this storm teaches us that Jesus is truly human. In the context of our passage, Jesus has been teaching for a long time. He's been teaching all day. Previous chapters would give us this indication that Jesus is just on call all the time. At one point, he's away early in the morning trying to pray or praying, and the people come and find him and said, everybody's looking for you, we, and everybody's looking for you. One night, he's not even able to eat supper because there are so many people around. The ministry is demanding, and when things get demanding, we get exhausted, and we see Jesus seemingly exhausted from long days of ministry. And what it teaches us is that this Son of God who took on flesh, he was truly man. He got tired. His body needed to sleep. He wasn't just a supernatural being that inside a body that was now different than us, but is very much like us, and he needed to sleep. And, and, and so this is a picture that Jesus is fully and truly human. It's a picture of his humanity. But we also see in this passage, it says that Jesus is sleeping in the boat, and look what he says to his disciples over in verse 40. He says, why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? I believe this passage is also teaching us that Jesus not only was truly human, but that Jesus' sleep also shows us that he was full of faith. You see, as a man, Jesus fully trusted the Father. It was as though his divine powers, his divine power, his all, the not knowing all things, able to do anything, that he took all of those divine powers and put them in his back pocket, and the only time he was going to use those is when it was the Father's will. And so when Jesus gets on this boat, he is living just like his disciples, just like us. This storm blows up. Jesus is sleeping. And we would conclude, why is Jesus sleeping and why are the disciples terrified? Jesus is sleeping because he has great confidence in the Father. Why are the disciples terrified? Because all they see is the storm. 
And we see this distinction between Jesus and the disciples. We see the same kind of faith that Jesus has at the end of his life when he is hanging on the cross and he says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Fully resting in the care of the Father. So we see Jesus, we see Jesus sleeping, demonstrating that he is full of faith, demonstrating that he is truly human, and we see the disciples demonstrating that they are an awful lot like us. Because what are they doing? They're freaking out, right? They're freaking out because the storm is bad, we're going to drown. And as you can just kind of imagine them trying to figure out what are we going to do? How do we get this water out of our boat? And even if we get this water out of our boat, it's coming in faster than we can get rid of it. What are we going to do? And their conclusion is we're going to die. And so they wake Jesus up. And they wake Jesus up and they say to Jesus, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? I think that's a really significant question. Do you not care that we are perishing? Because what have the disciples concluded the storm means? The storm means Jesus doesn't care about us, He's going to let us drown. Don't you care? The storm has come, Jesus, and the waves are breaking in, and, and, and you're sleeping. And I think that we're often tempted in when the storms come in our lives to be asking the same question. Jesus, do you really care? Because we assume if he really cares, he would do something about the storm. He wouldn't let us be in this storm if he truly cared. And as a result of that, we find people that are they're believers, we find them disillusioned with God. Do you know anybody that's disillusioned with God? Angry with God? Oftentimes angry with God because God didn't do something that He should have, and so God must not care because if God really cared, He would have done, he would have done this thing for them. We think about the storms in our lives, the storms that threaten us, the storms that threaten our comfort, the storms that confront our plans, the storms that impact our kids, the storms that impact our dreams for the future, our expectations of what life was supposed to be like, the storms creating that, storms hindering all of that, storms that are harming your relationships, storms that are impacting your career. You've prayed and you've said, God, do something. God, don't you care? You've asked God to change the situation, but he seemingly is seemingly silent. Because if God did care, why would he let us go through these storms? Which is a really a, a fair question. If God is truly God, why would he let us go through these storms? And I would tell you, there are I would, two big answers to that. One, for his big purposes, and some purposes that are way beyond us. Because what, I, what we see in this is throughout the Bible, we see the Bible addressing this issue of God truly being good and the people who truly love God going through significant storms and significant storms that lasted long periods of time. For instance, we think of, of Joseph in the book of Genesis. Joseph sold by his brothers into slavery. Seeks to be a faithful slave. All right, I'm in a storm, I'm just going to be faithful. 
seeks to be faithful in the midst of the storm, and then his boss's wife accuses him of sexual assault. He gets thrown in jail. Another storm. God, don't you care? How could you let this happen to me? My brothers have sold me into slavery, and if that wasn't enough, I've tried to be faithful there, and now I'm in prison because of something I didn't do? How can you let this happen, God? Time goes on. Some guys in prison have some dreams. He interprets the dreams, and he says, Hey, when you get out, tell them about me. And they forget about him, and he stays in prison. God, you gave me the ability to interpret these dreams You allow me to do this, and how come I'm still in jail? Well, the story unfolds, and God works in such a way that there's a famine, and God raises up Joseph to be second in command on all of Egypt, and his brothers and his family are hungry because of the famine, and they come back, and through all of that, at the end part of Genesis, we see God setting things up, restoring this family. And then he says in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, Joseph says to his brothers, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. There are times we are absolutely blind. All we know is we're in a storm. And is God doing anything? And in a passage like that, we recognize, oh yeah, God's doing something. And sometimes he is doing things with purposes that are so big that we couldn't have even dreamed of it. Turn with me to the book of Psalms, chapter 100, Psalm 119. There are three verses that are in the same uh, segment of Psalm 119 that give us some of this perspective of a psalmist who's gone through affliction, who has gone through a storm, and is able to look back and now see that in those storms, God was at work. On your pew Bible, this is going to be on page 514. Actually, 513 is the first one. So it's Psalm 119, verse 67. As we think about the storms that God allows in our lives, there are a variety of reasons for them and a variety of purposes. This first one we see in Psalm 119, verse 67 says this, Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. This passage would teach us that sometimes there are storms in our lives, that those storms come into our lives to get us back on the right track. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. So I'm, I'm in a place I shouldn't be. God allowed the storm to happen, and now I keep your word. That's one of the reasons. Verse 71, It was good that for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. Oftentimes God brings storms and there are things that we learn in storms that we don't learn when storms aren't happening. There are things that we learn when life is difficult that God shows us. And then look in chapter, verse 75. I know, O Lord, that your rules are righteous and that in, let's get this, in faithfulness you have afflicted me. Whoa. Do you get about that saying? That is saying that there is affliction that comes upon us from the hand of God for our good. Is God good? Yes, He's good. Is He good and, and He's seeking to accomplish His purposes in us that are beyond us today? 
And yet, sometimes God does give us this idea of, I've had this storm, the storm's over, I look back, and now I'm like, now I get it. I get why those storms happened. That's what we would see from Genesis with Joseph, and then we see in these passages. But oftentimes, the storms come, and the meaning's beyond us. That there are storms that sometimes come that we never truly understand. Why did that storm come? And that's the book of Job. We read in the book of Job about what's going on, that we know there's something going on between God and Satan, so we understand his background. But Job, all Job knows is he's being faithful to God, and he is faithfully serving God, and as he serves God, all of a sudden, everything falls apart. I mean, it's storm, like category five hurricanes happen to him, like all kinds of them in one day. He loses his family, he loses his businesses, he loses his property, all kinds of things happen, and he loses all ten of his children. Huge storm. And we see Job throughout the book, he, he, he's faithful, but then wrestling and his friends are trying to help him to make sense of it. And his friends are basically saying, Job, it must be because you've done something wrong because God doesn't let good people be in storms. But we're reading the book of Job and we know that's not right. Job's a good guy. Job didn't deserve any of this. None of this came to Job because of his sin or rebellion. From Job's perspective, this is just random storms. And as Job wrestles through that, we get to the end of the book of Job. And at the end of the book of Job, God shows up. God shows up. And they've been questioning him and questioning God's works and talking about how God works. And he says to Job, basically says, Job, stand up and be a man. I'm going to ask you some questions. And God starts asking Job all kinds of questions about nature and animals and brain and all these kinds of questions and job can't answer any of them job has no answer to any of those questions and what seems to be going on in that passage is god is asking all those questions and saying to job job listen if you can't understand how i work in the natural world you're never going to be able to stand understand how i work in my supernatural ways And the scripture simply says that Job puts his hand on his mouth and he worships God. Sometimes the storms that we deal with are for purposes that are beyond us. And the question that Jesus confronts his disciples with in this, let's turn back to Mark 4 and see how Jesus responds to this and what we learn from Jesus' response So they're terrified. We're going to die. We're going to be at the bottom of the sea. And Jesus, you're sleeping. Don't you care? And so they wake Jesus up. And in verse 39, And he awoke, and he rebuked the wind and and to the sea. He said, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was great calm. And as we read that, what we begin to learn is we begin to learn some things about Jesus. Some more things about Jesus. His sleep shows that he's truly human. But this command to the sea, to peace, be still, demonstrates to us that he is also truly God. Because you and I can't do that. I mean, we have a spring thunderstorm rolling across and lightning blowing and all that. And you get out on your front porch and you say, peace, be still. And what happens? You're all wet. Right? All that happened is you're wet, right? And your wife just said, get back inside. Get in the basement, right? I mean, we recognize we can't do that. 
But when Jesus said it, what happened? The wind ceased, and there was great calm. So their question immediately to Jesus was, don't you care? First thing he does, silences the storm. Demonstrating to us that he is truly God. As we recognize this as well, not only does it teach us that he is truly God, it also teaches us that he is full of compassion. He really does care. See, they're afraid they're going to die. What if Jesus earlier in this book had said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. He did not say, follow me in the boat and when the storm comes, I'm going to make you fish food. That's not what he said. You're not going to be fish food. I'm going to make you fishers of men. I do care. I've called you to myself. And we see Jesus demonstrating they're terrified. And so what does he do? He calms the storm. Now, if we're listening to that, we would think, well, see, but Pastor Steve, aren't why do, but it sounds like you're not saying the same thing because you're saying that Jesus lets us be in storms, but when they prayed, they cried out to Jesus, Jesus, calm the storm. And he cared about them. You said, you just said, he's full of compassion. He demonstrated that compassion by calming the storm. Why doesn't he calm my storms? Because he obviously cared about them, but he must not care about me because he hasn't calmed my storm. Well, let's look what happens next. See, Jesus, he rebuked the wind. I would say it this way. And he turns and he says to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Have you so have you still no faith? Jesus went from listen, he rebuked the storm that was in the sky, and he now turns his attention to the storm in their hearts. He was talking to the storm that was in the sky that was causing the rain, and now he rain, and now he's calling, he's he's rebuking, addressing the storm that's raging in their hearts. They're troubled by all of this. They don't understand. And Jesus says to them, he doesn't simply say, oh yeah, guys, I forgot. (laughs) I did care about you, but I was sleeping. My fault. It's not what he does. He calms the storm to demonstrate that he's God and he has all that power. But he is saying to them, listen, why are you so afraid? What do you suppose their answer to that would be? Why were you so afraid? (laughs) Jesus You're sleeping. You're missing out on this storm. Our boat is filling up. We're going to die. That's why we're so afraid. To which I believe Jesus would say, so you think I'm going down too? Have you forgotten who I am? Whatever's going to happen to you in this boat is going to happen to me. I do care about you. But you need to recognize that, that, that what does faith begin to do? Faith begins to change things for them. Because the disciples, in the midst of all of this, their eyes are fixed on the storm. And that's what happens to us. When the storm is raging, all that we see is the storm. And we see the storm and we forget all of these truths that we've learned about God. All these things that we know about Him. Yes, He's good. He's all-powerful. He is all-knowing. He's everywhere present. He's good. I confess all that theology, but man, the storm's raging and I'm forgetting all that. I just went out of the storm. And God, if you care, you'll get me out of the storm. And he says in the midst of this, the challenge is, guys, your faith. 
your faith. And what we recognize in this is that Jesus is teaching us that faith settles our fears. We could say another way is this, that trusting Jesus, trusting Jesus gives us peace in the midst of the storm. Our definition of faith that we use around here consistently is faith is believing the Word of God, believing the Word of God, and acting on it. So faith, I'm going to believe the Word of God, and I act on it. No matter how I feel, I'm scared. Okay, No matter how I feel, I'm going to hear the Word of God, believe the Word of God, and act on it. No matter how I feel, trusting that God promises a brighter day. Faith is believing the Word of God. It's acting on it. So I just can't say, yeah, I trust you, God, but stop this storm, but acting on it. So I'm going to rest in Him, believing the Word of God and acting on it. No matter how I feel, because my emotions, a storm's still raging there, but I'm going to act on that by trusting that Jesus promises a brighter day. That's what faith is. And we say that faith, listen, Faith isn't simply believing that Jesus can calm storms. That's a part of it. Faith isn't simply believing that Jesus calms storms. It is resting in His wisdom and His character and His promises and His love. It is resting in Him even in the midst of the storm. That's the difference. Faith isn't just saying my confessional theology, I believe Jesus can calm storms. Faith is, I'm believing Jesus to calm my heart in this storm. Another way of seeing this is, what, is, what did Jesus say to the storm? Peace, be still. What does Jesus say to us in the storms? He says to our hearts, peace, be still. Trust me. I'm with you. I'm in this boat too. You've gotten into this boat. I am not going to let anything come upon you that I that doesn't first filter through my plans. And he says, trust me. Well, what happens in verse 41, how the disciples respond. And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? It's interesting, isn't it? What were they filled with when the boat was filling up? Great fear. Storm's gone. Calm has come. And what are they filled with? Fear. Right? It says, whoa. John MacArthur says of this verse, he says this, the only thing more terrifying than having the storm outside the boat was having God inside the boat. The only thing more terrifying than having a storm outside the boat is having God inside the boat. And yet this fear that goes on, we see these are two different kinds of fears because there's a fear of this storm and the fear of this storm as that this storm is going to harm me. This storm is bad for me and so I have a fear that. This fear of God is not a fear of God harming us. God loves us. God cares for us. And the fear of God is not a fear that causes me to want to run away from Him like I would run away from a storm, but to draw near to Him with this almost a trembling reverence that He cares 
He's in the boat with me. Even in the storms, he's protecting me. And he's God. Whoa. There is this reverential fear that God is with us. That we don't want this God to be far from us. We want him to be near us. And yet, he's God in the boat with us. And what we see is that faith settles fear, but we would also say this, that fear, the fear of God, a right kind of fear, a trembling reverence for the power, knowledge, and plans of God, and I understand all of that, that that builds faith. So what do I do? I draw near to Him. I trust Him. I humble myself before Him. And recognizing in the midst of all of this, knowing, that G- knowing Jesus is what gives us confidence. Knowing Jesus gives us confidence in to trust Him in the midst of these storms. He's with us. He's with you. He cares about you. He doesn't abandon His people in the storms. He's not sleeping, and, and, and we have to be terrified that we rest in His care. One passage I want us to look at before we conclude is this. Isaiah chapter 43. Isaiah chapter 43. And in this passage, we see again this confidence that God does not promise to keep us from the storms, but to be with us in the storms. He doesn't promise to calm all the storms, but he promises to calm the storm that's in our hearts as we trust him. This is on page 603 in the Pew Bible, Isaiah 43, verse 1. It says, But now thus says the Lord, this is Yahweh, the I Am, is speaking. This is what He says. He who created you, O Jacob, and He who formed you, O Israel. And listen to what He says. Fear not. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the river, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. And the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. And this prom passage is teaching us that we're not exempt from the fire, through the flood. We're not exempt through the flames. But what we're told is He is with us in them. And I want to encourage you this morning and ask you a couple questions. Are you in the boat with Jesus? And are you a follower of Jesus? Have you humbled yourself and repented of your sins and trusted Him and given your life to Him and know that in doing that you are safe and secure in Him? We call you this morning to trust Jesus, to repent and believe. This morning, if you're going through a storm, and many of you are, I would ask you to remind yourself that God is good to me in this storm. And He has not promised to to make everything clear to me, but what He's called me to do is to trust Him. To trust His goodness. To look around me and be reminded that He is good, and He's good even in the midst of the storms. And one last idea that would help us to see in Philippians chapter 4. This would be some homework for you. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 to 9. 
I would encourage you to read these verses and then think about how to do them. What they say is be anxious for nothing. Don't be worried in the storms. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, I'm giving thanks to God, I'm praying to God, let your requests be made known to God. So, so pray. Pray that He'll calm the storms. Be anxious for nothing. But in prayer, petition, and with thanksgiving, make your requests be made known to God. And then it says this, And the God of peace, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Now, did you see what it doesn't say? Pray, and He will calm the storm. Nope. Pray, and He will give you peace even in the storm. And then verses 8 and 9 tell you how to do that. So you can look that up on your own. I'm going to pray, and as we pray this morning, we're going to conclude with a song about God being an anchor who holds us fast, a sure and steady anchor. So as we pray and as we sing this morning, as we wrap up, I just want to encourage you to be thinking about where your life is, storms you may be facing, and asking yourself, am I trusting God in this storm Or is the storm outside also creating a storm inside? Because the storm inside is the one that Jesus speaks to today and says, peace, be still. And will we trust him? Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we see in this passage that with you and you being us in the boat does not guarantee that we're going to avoid storms. But Lord, we recognize that in the storms, we know that you are with us, that you are, you are fully man and Jesus is fully God and as a result of that demonstrates his care for us. Lord, we see the greatest picture of that through his, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And God, I pray that that would motivate us to believe your promises. And God, I pray that you would help our faith to settle our fears that our knowledge of you would grow us, that we would, we would fear you in an appropriate way, an appropriate way that would desire you to be close to protect us. God, help us. God, I pray this morning that you would speak to the storms in the hearts of your people and that we would hear you say, peace, be still. And the peace that passes all understanding will indeed guard our hearts and minds in Christ. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.